XX Equals is a focused, user-centered innovation collective within Canadian Ford, and this is our podcast. Our aim is to close the gap between perception and reality when designing for women. So jump in and join us as we talk to some of the leaders, experts, and trailblazers in this space. Hi again, Gemma. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. And um, I'm really excited to hear more about ILOH. And I wondered if you could kick us off by telling us um, a bit more of background of yourself and ILOH and how it came about. Yeah, so uh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. Um, so my my background is not is not in femtech. I'm a I'm a newbie to the sphere. So um, I studied fashion and um, so fashion styling and photography, a little bit of design sort of early on in my career. So my first my first um, kind of roles in the fashion industry were in styling roles. I was an assistant for many years. So worked on um, lots and lots of, of publications of fashion publications. So and as an assistant used to work on publications like Vogue and Wonderland and ID magazine then I became a stylist and consultant in my own right so worked with a lot of commercial clients um, and and lifestyle brands as well then alongside um, running my own my own um, styling studio I um, became a senior lecturer as well so I teach um, fashion promotion and communication and styling within many many universities around the UK I've done that for about about 15 years alongside alongside my business before I then had the idea to start ILO. And what made you I guess move or make the shift um, from fashion to um, sexual wellness products? Yeah it, it was a bit of an it was a bit of an accident really um, it was looking looking at the market and look, looking at it from a consumer experience perspective so look like looking at like browsing for products purchasing them what the products actually look like and how you kind of feel when you're when you're purchasing them when when you're kind of around them really and then certain certain conversations that my friends and I are having or aren't having um I can I found really striking so I didn't feel particularly catered for when when kind of shopping for sexual wellness products kind of so much so didn't really do it there's you know there's 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 many companies online um excuse me many many companies online um but just yeah just I'm just quite interested in that kind of sense of shame that is is kind of embedded in women from a very excuse me from a very very young age I'm going to come on to the topic of shame in just one sec because I think that's a fascinating and really important topic before I do can I just check ILO does it does it stand for anything it doesn't no no it's just it's just a sound yeah so it, it's pretty yeah some people pronounce it in different ways but yeah yeah it's just it just a sound no it's nice I like it and <laughs> so back to subject of not feeling catered for the conversations you were or maybe weren't having with your friends um, mm. and this sense of shame that you talked about could you could you talk a bit more about that and and what you mean there yeah so I think particularly particularly for women and um, the the concepts that I've kind of been exploring is we're just quite on the back foot from a very from a very young age whether it's a very minimal or a real lack of lack of sex education within the UK where if you're in a mixed school boys and girls are separated out to learn to learn about things like menstruation and I think that, that I'm a sort of child of the 90s so that came um came to me in a like just at the end of primary school so 
so so I, I have a brother and we were just constantly ribbing each other about puberty and what are kind of just just as what kind of teenagers do um so I but I just I just think you know as women we've been like shoving tampons up our sleeve to scuttle to the toilet in educational settings and in office spaces for years and we're half of the population and whether it's um menstrual fluid being blue on television that we it's ingrained in us to hide this thing that we go through every single month for over half you know for pretty much half of our lives so we we are just constantly on the back foot any kind of any functions that our body kind of go through that isn't producing children I would say that's just about you know most elements of of childbirth can be discussed but anything to do with menstruation and sex it's not really on the table to talk about and I just think it's it's so striking that 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 it's not um so I want to try and address that and try and open up conversations and, and help with that and if you had to put your finger on why that stigma exists why we're not talking about women's sexual pleasure sexual health what would you where does that stigma come from do you think oh it's it's society in sort of societal norms it's it's centuries old i think and it's i really don't know i think women are just put women are just put on such a strange pedestal i think with so with so many um so many values attached to us that can chop and change based on the the narrative that's going on at that time oh women can do this they can't do this they should do this they shouldn't do this and it chops and change based based on kind of who's who's telling the story really but none of it none of that story is for the benefit of women it's we you know we're we're just supposed you know we're supposed to be this thing and be kind of wheeled out for certain situations to say certain things but not sitting at the table for other conversations and it's um yeah it's staggering that the lack of conversation and that that lack of knowledge and it's a bit of a joke and you know some sex toys are a bit sort of are a bit giggly and it's a bit sort of hen party and all of that and it kind of shouldn't be we should be having these conversations like we should about what we're watching on streaming services or what you know what restaurants we might be going to it's just um yeah I'd like to try and address that and Gemma how have you found it um entering into the sexual wellness space from a business perspective starting a business in this industry with knowing that this this stigma exists how's it how's it been how's the founder journey been for you and as a relative newbie I'm quite surprised it's a it's a very very kind space so I purposefully work with women everybody involved in the business is women and then going out to to a number of kind of networking groups it's phenomenal how supportive people have been you know I thought it might have been a bit of a competitive space you know we are you know there, there have been real positive movements within the space and and you know I thought that that perhaps people would um would would kind of really really want to, to keep their uh, their success is a secret but it, it's it's an incredible space to be in um so so yeah in, in terms of a newbie that's that's been that's been one of the, one of the biggest kind of surprises to me what an incredible incredible space it is business wise it is it is a first time kind of retail business for me and um, I've worked kind of in the sector in the sector in the past as part of my previous roles so it's it's an it's an enormous learning curve and I'm really really enjoying what I'm learning and all all the kind of new things I think I haven't I haven't come across any kind of major blockers really in this in the sphere in the sphere I would say um 
social media is a is a whole is a whole big beast um, that that we're that we're kind of trying to tackle on a on a daily basis. So those are the main those are the main kind of blockers, I would say. But but generally, it's been it's been a really great journey. It's very hard, but a really great journey so far, I would say. And when did you when did you found the business? How long has it been going for now? So we launched in November 2020. So we're we're a lockdown business. Um, I was I was teaching. Um, I was a course leader at a university right up until um, like Mar- March 2020. So just just as the just as kind of lockdowns kicked in. So I spent that quiet, peaceful space of those first few lockdowns, sitting on any as many webinars as I could get on to do with business, to do with brands, products, conversations within the space, menstruation and um, sexuality. So, um, so yeah, I had, a, I had a really good run, run at a research process. So, so yeah, I was quite fortunate to have that. And I, I saw looking at your website, it's this lovely balance of, of products and educational pieces, blogs, thought provoking information. Um, what how do you kind of decide what what to share and what what should what should go on the website and, and what to put forward in terms of product um yeah let's start with product actually because i yeah. i wondered i know that there are you've got kind of some rules around um which products you can showcase and, and who's designed them if could you talk a little bit more about the criteria for something being something that you showcase or sell on your website yeah so so everything on ILO is designed by a woman, um, so that that's that that's the number one. That's the number one kind of kind of golden rule. Um, so, so yeah, so that yeah, that, that's that's the kind of main thing. But when in in my kind of in my period of research, when I was when I was doing the buy and sort of researching which which products I I wanted to get on board because there's there is so many in the space. Um, it was it was quite hard to pick. Um, so I I behaved as a consumer. So I didn't go out to all of the all of the wholesalers and all the retailers and say, look, I'm thinking of these. Can you send me a batch three? I behaved as a retailer. So going online and purchasing these products, how I felt when they when the package arrived, how I felt opening the parcel, what the branding of the products is like, what the background story of the designers and the brand is like. And um, the majority of the products that I stock are, are solutions focused as well. So um so whether it's the O-Nuts, which um, addresses women that experience painful sex or Dame um, Dame products, the New York brand who are looking to um, to address the orgasm gap or the pleasure gap. So so all of the products do do kind of come come with a story. And, and that's that to me kind of says that the brand, the brand has got heart. They are kind of, they're reinvesting their knowledge or their product is specifically to address problems that women face. So that's something that's that's really important to me and then how the products actually make me feel when they are as when when I'm treating them as consumer products or lifestyle products about the home and um, do I want to scurry them do I want to scurry them away if someone was coming around could the box you know if I'd open the box could it sit on the kitchen table for a bit or would I want to kind of scurry that in the back of a wardrobe if it looks you know if it looks like a looks like a sexual wellness product so they do kind of resemble lifestyle products not sexual wellness products so whether it's kind of tonally what the shape is like um, and that's that's before I've kind of tested how they function as products as well so they are all, they're all very good products and functionality as well. I love that I love that you're kind of behaving as a consumer yourself and testing everything at, from beginning to end um, to make sure that it's, it's something that you you would want yourself um, kind of tried and trusted and 
I guess in terms of tonally on your on your brand, um, the way you kind of share information on the website, um, present yourself on social media, what kind of message are you trying to get across and how do you want people to feel having come across ILO? Yeah, so so within the website, so how how the products have been photographed on the website, it's um so we the majority of I, I I run ILO on my own and then I have a number of um number of freelancers that, that work for me. So everybody that works on the brand is from a fashion background. So the pro so our product photographer um Julia, she's worked for Netta Porter. Um so that's why the products she photographed the products as as lifestyle products. So that's why ILO looks on if you're shopping ILO online, that's why it looks the way it does. So it was important to us that if you're if you're shopping on ILO and somebody kind of came into your eye line or somebody came and, and had visibility of your screen you wouldn't feel that shame to like shove your laptop shut or shut hurry hurry the screen down and hurry to kind of um, close the screen down or something so that's that's something that's really important if we can create a kind of shift in how you do feel if that if we can try and nip that shame in the bud from from that very first kind of contact with the site or when you're making that purchase um so yeah it's just to take this I think it's all it's it's like an association of colours an association of shape an association of branding that I don't think had moved on that much so so like bright pink products glittery products purple products then they're not for everybody they offers they are for some people and you know there's there's amazing retailers doing amazing things but it's like we don't all go to the same clothes shop to buy the same thing so why why should all kind of why should your um your integrations with with shopping for for sexual wellness products feel like that so that's that's that shift that i wanted to make so that you just feel differently when you're purchasing these products and the same the same with all of our with all of our messaging as well it's um that there's i mean there's there there is there's there's certain brands that that are even trying to take the word toy away because it's infantilizing the notion of pleasure products i do i do try to use the term pleasure products more than sex toys where possible and um, so yeah just yeah looking at looking at language changes and how to um how to normalize how to normalize the space a bit more and how to normalize the the process of pleasure whether it's purchasing pleasure, having it around your house or using it um, just to normalise that a bit more. I think that's a really interesting point in terms of recognising that as as per fashion, we aren't all, we don't all go to the same shop or want the same thing or buy things that look, look the same. And I, I agree that for a long time, we've divided um, pleasure products into kind of either very, very medical and sanitised or very, very play, playful and toy-like. And there's so much between that. Um, so I really like the way you've articulated that. And um, and I also love the way that the website makes me feel when I go on it. And I think it is addressing a very, very clear gap and a clear, clear need. I guess if we were to think about how you think we can start to drive a more equitable future um, where female pleasure is seen as, as important or recognised and not stigmatised, um, as as male as male or men's pleasure, what do we need to be doing? What steps can be taken? And um, I guess to, to be trying to trying to open up the the conversation a little bit more. I think so. 
it, I guess it does it does feel quite it does feel quite kind of binary that women have this you know that we that we scuttle off and have this thing and I'm aware that it's, it's quite a the kind of heteronormative conversation um as a heterosexual woman that that I that I come from within within this space um so I don't um I don't kind of speak speak for speak for for other people really I, I do kind of come from from quite a kind of personal space with it but I think even where you've even got things like menstruation that are kind of parted out um it, you know it might be worth trying to try you know within within the workplace opening up the conversation about menstruation a little bit more and everybody within the workspace having a bit more knowledge I know some um some some workplaces are kind of looking a lot more about leave for menopause and um and um and kind of yes certain kind of life you know life cycles that women go through that there is there is a bit more so I wonder if there's kind of space within that sphere because I think you know we do although I can kind of have these conversations quite freely I have to be very very aware that not everybody wants to have them we have been so shrouded in shame for so long and there's actually there's there's nothing worse than making somebody feel uncomfortable if you're talking about anything to do with sexuality or sexual pleasure um certain kind of conversations I can see people kind of shifting about in their seat if I'm having them and I have to be really respectful about that so as you know we, we all have to be really really respectful of that so it might be kind of small small baby steps um when when talking about things and I think menstruation I think might be the might be the way to go because everybody at least knows a woman and knows that they probably menstruate um so yeah it's it, yeah it's about it's about education it's about conversation it's not it's not about I think segmenting out who has to listen to this information and education and who doesn't that's just set us off on a really bad foot I think from the beginning okay and um I don't know if you've seen it. I've been watching the Principles of Pleasure docuseries on Netflix. Have you, is it on your radar? Have you seen it? It's not. It's it's going to be my Easter viewing. I've seen um, I've seen lots of lots of memes and lots of conversations about it. And a couple of a couple of brands that I stock they they have they've got their products featured on there. So that's great. Yeah, but it's in it's in the Easter viewing. It's, it is great. It's um it really does focus a lot on on shame and, and stigma and and kind of the way um, women's bodies have been seen in uh, throughout history but one topic on it that I found really interesting was um the idea that sexual pleasure the orgasm could be um prescribed as an effective treatment for mental health conditions like depression mm -hmm. um because at the moment we are so reliant on antidepressants to, to treat mental health conditions and they do wonderful things for lots of people but there could be other routes and other things that can help and I wondered if you had a point of view on that or had considered that I think de definitely a more holistic approach to, to to treating conditions and perhaps a bit more a bit more education that's provided so with things like antidepressants um they can they can numb your your pleasure receptors and they can um it's, it's probably covered within the doc um and, and not a lot of people know that so that can be a really a really frustrating side effect if you're not aware of it or the changes that your body go through might really impact how you're how you're kind of getting getting along with these um with think with things like medication so yeah, a more holistic approach but we you know we're in a we're in a difficult country at the moment I think for in terms of um, in terms of treatment specifically for for mental health problems and for and for many things but yeah if if we could yeah look, look at a number of different factors rather than just medication um for a number of women's problems as well not just not just mental health but you know we seem to sort of scuttle out of, of a point with um 
with prescriptions because because of the limited amount of time. But if, if we could look at a number of different factors, that would most definitely help so many women, I think, with so many problems. Thank you. And for you, what have you found the most challenging and also the most rewarding parts of your journey with ILO so far? Um, rewarding, I think we've had we've had incredible feedback which is which has been great so when when i had the idea the idea to to set up shop i thought it i thought it would all be quite transactional so we'd buy in the product that we wanted to sell we'd sell it we'd buy more and we'd sell that but we have we've had really great feedback from the designers of the products that we stock so we make a point within the website to feature the designers of the product by name so I, you've had T Chang um, on an episode I think who designed um, Vespa the, the vibrating necklace and the night we launched she was actually the first person in my DM saying I really like what you're doing for so long we've wanted to put this product in a kind of in a fashion sense really so she's she's been a real is a real cheerleader and she's just been so surprised so that that was a real surprise and was a real um yeah has been has been such a positive I think is to have that is to have that relationship with the brands um so yeah the, the majority of them are, are on board um and we can you know we, we have that relationship with them so that's great um challenges I guess is is kind of is, is being a woman in business we're going to look um so I've been kind of self-funded um, for throughout our journey. So for around eighteen months, so we're going to go out for for funding soon. And I envisage within within this sphere, I would I'd love to have um, entirely kind of female female investors. So I, I don't I don't know how that will look. Um, but if I do if I do have to go to any to any panels, um, I'd imagine I might come up against a bit of um, a bit of resistance or or something because I've heard. I've heard kind of terrible stories from um, from some of the brands that we stock, like um, Hanks, the condom brand. That um, Farah, who's one of the founders of Hanks, was asked in um, one of her pitches by a by a male a male panelist if she would show him how to put a condom on. It's just just horrendous. Wow. So those those are the, yeah appalling. those are the kind of appalling. So yeah, so those that that's that you know you've just got a nightmare in your yeah. head of something that something that you may come up against. Um, so so yeah that's that's where I think there's the yeah there's there's certain blockers because because you're in a sphere there's certain schemes and things that I apply for that I know I'm getting turned down from them because people can't handle the the product matter or the subject matter so that yeah that's a challenge. Gemma I haven't had any responses stark as the founder of Hanks received but I I have been in in rooms and situations where you're saying that there's a we're saying there's a gap or that women are not treated in the same way as men or equitably in a scenario and I've had man turn to me say I don't believe that's a problem or I don't accept that there's an issue here do you have any advice I guess or any thoughts of how you might approach that if if that's something you should come up against in going for funding hopefully it isn't but any thoughts on that? yeah I, when I I sit with this product all day every day so it's it does it does feel very second nature so I can I I feel like I kind of all I could argue the case I think till the cows come home and the, the, the you know the, the research that I've done the people that I'm speaking to and I've just quite recently with with COVID and everything dying down I've just quite recently started doing pop-ups so taking the product to to pop-up markets and things so I can get get that live feedback from the customer which I haven't had you just you don't get it in email and you don't get it on dms and the what's quite what what is 
the, the kind of biggest piece of data that I'm getting from doing that is is women just coming, looking at all the products and going, I don't know what any of this means because I don't know myself. So where I would like to expand our educational platform more so that um, so that women can can understand their bodies a bit more, understand their their elements of um what what would what would potentially bring them pleasure. So that I that I think is really important. So when I'm kind of going for pictures, I know there's a need for this because I can see in people's faces when they're approaching the product or picking things up or going, what's this? What does this do? I, I don't know how I would use this. And um, that's quite staggering. So I think I think that's that's um, that's the case, I would really argue. You're absolutely right as well, Gemma. I was thinking you mentioned at the beginning of the our discussion that um, you were a child of the 90s. I also am. And I remember sex education and there was no focus on women's bodies, the female anatomy, what what parts what parts were called and what they were for or anything really um it really focused on motherhood and menstruation to an extent and that that was kind of it so i think it's really important to broaden that and i'm not surprised that we have got a lot of people who don't know what product these products are for because they they're not familiar with their bodies because we we've not really been taught that in amongst a certain generation have we no and a lot of a lot of sex education is abstinence based as well so here's you know put a, put a condom on here you know here's how not to get pregnant not to get pregnant not to get pregnant so that will maybe serve you for what 10 or 15 years perhaps you know or you know kind of however long if you um if you're kind of sexually active as a teenager you don't want to get pregnant then that's fine but again that it all it does all seem very um very aimed towards women you don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant not not towards the towards boys don't um don't impregnate women yeah that's absolutely right and it's a kind of very narrow control of what sexual wellness means sexual health means being a woman means as well yeah 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 a um a a workshop that i that i've been in um some somebody mentioned that with with sex with sex education being abstinence based, the deficit that's left with, with within sex education that a lot of brands are picking up now that they're they're picking up that deficit and and kind of showing people how, almost backtracking and showing people how to to get in touch with their with their pleasure really. So that's is something that that brands are doing and something that um all of the brands that I stock are doing. Do you think um so brands are obviously doing a lot and it's a really important work. Who else do you think has a role to play in this? Where who else should be helping to kind of address this education gap, I guess, understanding and knowledge gap? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis, I guess, within within education at home. Um within within the home, there's there's an incredible um Instagram account called Sex Positive Families. And they're they're fantastic and their comment section is fantastic where parents are online and there's again it's it's kind of passed down but it, it almost feels like some people think if you're teaching your children what their body parts are and what they mean it might draw attention to them it might want to use them but children are, are, are kind of aware much younger um and that that shame of um perhaps an, an older relative saying to you when you're young as a, as a female an older relative saying to you close your legs if you're sitting you know if you're sitting on a sofa and that's really that's really really embedded I've got I've got a brother I don't he was never told that as a child 
Um, so more support at home, younger. And I think parents, because of what they've gone through within their sex education or, or how they were treated, they're quite embarrassed to kind of pass that on to their children, I think. Um, so so if, if more could be done at home, um, I think that would be really useful as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's a big space where we could definitely do more. Um, have you come across any surprises in your in your journey, or found a journey, things that you weren't expecting? Oh, I guess how, how much I've learned and how much I I really enjoy it has has, has been a surprise. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have kind of started the business or carried on the business if I wasn't passionate about it or you know wanted to wanted to get them get um, get some sort of message across or open some sorts of spaces for for conversation so um I think that that's a bit of a surprise the amount I've learned and the um the amount of phenomenal products that are coming on the market still as you know as as I've kind of been going for just over a year and um yeah that that's a real surprise and speaking to people and hearing their stories and why they've started their their products and their brands I think that's been the biggest yeah biggest joy I would say it must feel yeah it must feel joyful to have a community of women um designers creators business owners that you're kind of showing on your on your website but that you have that relationship with as well um, yeah that's right yeah it's it's really yeah it's really great and um I guess I'm going to bring us back to a kind of it's quite a predictable topic so apologies but in our in our view at KD COVID has kind of proven that that home working is possible and I wonder how you said that you mentioned that you're a lockdown business you were formed as part of the pandemic how do you think that has influenced the way that you've shaped the business if at all? Ooh. I think I, I run the business from home so I, I think I would have I would have been there and um, I would have been there kind of lockdown lockdown or not really but I get it's quite it's quite lonely I do find working from home working from home quite lonely um so so I've I, I'm in a co-working space at the moment so that's that yeah that's quite nice to it's quite nice to do that but I think within it's I think the, the the sort of the hybrid working model, I think, is what's given people a bit more of their time back. If people are kind of commuting for a couple of for a couple of hours a day, that that that's removed that, and office situations can be really difficult for people. So that's where I kind of see the the positive, yeah, the positive kind of stance, yeah, stance. I think, um, yeah, I, I really I don't know how this would have been had COVID not happened because we're such a yeah such a COVID business, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you about this sense that if you're always working remotely, it can, it can feel quite lonely. How has it been being in the co-working space from that perspective? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been I've tried a couple um, and I'm still I'm still teaching two and a half days a week um, as well, as well as running the business. So I'm kind of I'm in and out and in lots of places. And it's quite nice. It's quite nice to be busy with that and be be, be back at work and teaching students now rather than doing it on Zoom. So that that was was the most difficult thing, kind of teaching students teaching next to a, pi- like a, so a pile much. of washing. Yeah, it was that was really, really difficult. Um, so yeah, it's nice to be nice to be back in that space now. I'm back back in with colleagues, but yeah, I I don't think I could go there five five and six days a week like I used to. Do you see, it's funny, isn't it? I, I remember 
you know, I've always been in the office five days a week until the pandemic. And now I, I really can't imagine that lifestyle and that scenario again. Um, do you see yeah. yourself carrying, continuing with the balance of continuing to teach um, part time and as well as running the business at the same time? Quite possibly, I'd like I'd like us to grow a lot more. There's a number there's a number of different products um, that I want that I want to bring on board. I'd like to be kind of the number one marketplace, the number one destination for for female founded products within the space. So there's tons more on the market. But as I say, with with everything kind of being at home and um, and to kind of ship or to ship all of these products and just kind of have have them living in the flat would be quite difficult. Um, and then then with you know I need I need funding and I need support support to grow now. Um, so yeah, to to grow the business as much as possible. Again, I love teaching. I love working with young people. Um, so yeah, but I might need to might need to 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 kind of address address that balance a little bit more. Um, yeah, to 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 grow the to grow the business a bit bigger. I'm not sure how much time I would have to to carry on teaching, but yeah, I, I would still always like to do it. And I guess if if the North Star is being the number one destination for female designed sexual pleasure products, what's what's the next step? Do you think to get there? Where where are you focusing your efforts next? Um, we the mar- the kind of marketing push so that people people know with that it is it is a crowded marketplace that the pandemic has done a lot of good stuff you know all of those stats at the beginning of the pandemic with the sales of sex toys going through the roof and even like penis shaped pasta and stuff like that that went that really really grew um so you know it, it is quite a busy marketplace we are we are the only place in the UK doing what we do so we you know we have got um got that kind of that point of difference um so it's yeah it's about getting people to know we're there and kind of understanding our story and understanding what we're there for so so marketing push I would love in terms of a, of a marketing push and to kind of meet our consumer as well I'd love to have um a physical space for a little for a little while um just a kind of a kind of semi-permanent pop-up to 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 address that to address that how you feel when you're shopping for products in person so that it would feel like when you go in the apple store or when you go into the um you know a beauty department in selfridges for example so that you have that that that's the way that that feels and to kind of have workshops and do kind of um and to do demonstrations and have lots of people within there's amazing people within the space and to have them come and do talks and they so to have a bit of a bit of an event space so that's that's where i'd really really like to go is to just is to change that consumer experience and what that could that, that the kind of seismic change that that could then have in experience and pleasure I think it would be so powerful to have that physical presence to match the digital presence that sexual wellness products have um, on the high street. I think just for people's perception and awareness, that would just be huge, I think. Yeah, that sometimes it does. It feels like cultural shifts, uh, just tiny, tiny shifts. And it, it's enormous. It, shame is so, so, so embedded. It's it, it, I might not be able to do it in my lifetime because it's just so massive. But if I can make small changes, that you know, yeah, it would be great. Absolutely. Um, and finally, uh, my last question, I guess, is as a woman, uh, a founder and an owner of a business, what advice would you give to to other women who might want to do the same or, or pursue a dream? Establish a network would yeah would would be my main would be my main would be my main piece of advice and um, I you you just you don't know what you don't know when you're starting a business so I didn't know all these these incredible networks out there but 
but fortunately with all of the um with all of the kind of online talks that were happening with with covid i got to got to see a number of different networks and kind of and kind of sit within them but yeah yeah building a network establishing a network almost outside of your friendship circle as well there's two you know your two different kind of spheres spheres of um, of networks so yeah yeah definitely find your people that are going to support you and you can support them and you can grow together and you can you know you can learn together would be my biggest bit of advice brilliant um thank you so much Gemma I feel like I could talk to you about this forever it's a fascinating topic and um I just really feel your passion talking and um I love I love the brand and I love the products that you're, you're selling so um thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today grand thank you so much for lovely talking to you thank you thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoyed listening please rate review and subscribe and keep your eyes peeled for our next episode